0: are back. Welcome to yet another episode of Behind the Lens. And oh my God, I can't believe it is already the end of September. But it is. And I am thrilled to have all of you listening, old listeners, new listeners, uh, all of our classic film fans who tune in, all of our production people that tune in. It is an absolute joy to have you every week. Uh, and yes, in case you don't know where you are, you are listening to Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Lynn Elias, film critic, Creator and host of Behind the Lens, and you can find my reviews and interviews around the globe in print and online, including a paper we aren't going to mention today. Uh, <laughs> but I am, <laughs> I am beyond ecstatic to have sitting here with me today a very dear, dear friend and a fabulous actor, singer, and writer, Stephen Alaric. Thank Hello. you. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm, I'm, so, good.
0: I'm so happy you made the trek all the way to Whittier.
1: I'm happy that I did, too. Thank you for having me.
0: And you even brought donuts.
1: I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to start the day off right. What better way Brian's is to start it, with Brian's
0: in, in with the donuts. booth grinning from ear to ear with that one. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take much to please us.
2: No, just some coffee and donuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like he needs more coffee. Doesn't he? Doesn't <laughs> He's he? He's just
2: chill and relax.
0: But Steve is here for the whole hour. We're gonna talk about some very fun projects that he has been doing, ones that we can't talk about, that he'll just hint at. Um, and also we have some live call ins today at eleven fifteen. We're gonna hear from Jason Konapisos, I think that's how you say it, and Patrick Sane with the short film Trigger Man, which is playing at the Catalina Film Festival. And then very exciting, and I'm excited to have Steve here for this, is we have Barnett Bain, Oscar winner, Emmy winner, and uh, writer-director of the new film starring Donald Sutherland, Milton Secret, that comes out. So that's going to be really fun at at the uh, midway point of the show. But, you know, now we have a dilemma. Brian, you don't know this, but we now have a dilemma, because... Steve, his first L.A. appearance or working gig was on Star Trek Enterprise.
1: You're aging me, you know.
0: Well, (laughs) this, this is very important because this is you now are one of the few that get to participate in an experience live. Brian's favorite segment and part of the show, the Star Wars Countdown. But.
2: No, there's no conflict. No conflict. No, we're all we're all a family.
0: Okay. All, all us <laughs> geeks
2: and nerds have to stick together. And,
1: and if I'm going to be honest, I'm a Star Wars fan. Oh, uh, I,
2: I never so, had a. I, you know, if the, I had to pick one, I'd pick Star Wars. The first time I ever heard of there being a divide between Star Wars and Star Trek fans was in the movie Fanboys. If you guys ever saw that one, <laughs> that, that was the first time I ever realized. I, I, I saw, I was like, "What you're talking? You're saying that two entities that deal with space don't get along?" Like why? Why is that an issue? Like they're yes. both good shows. They're both good movies. Right. They're both good entities. Like just respect both of them. I like both of them. But yeah, let's look at Star Wars. All right. Oh, we weren't. We okay. didn't get to do the countdown when we when we crossed the 100 day. But here's another big day. We oh. Are,
0: Which one are we doing first? We're Dr. gonna do Star Wars.
2: We're gonna do Rogue One.
0: Oh, we're gonna do Rogue One because first. that's the closest one. Oh.
2: Rogue One is. 80 days, 12 hours, 55 minutes, and as soon as I'm done with this sentence, 49 seconds to go. I'd love it. Okay, I only leave the front of my movie theater to come do this show, and then I'm right back out, lined right outside my, my local cineplex. Because last when uh, Episode 7 came out, I didn't get to watch it until two weeks after it came out. So I ain't making the same mistake this time. Were
1: you able to keep all the... Uh Everything out, were you able to to, to not learn anything about it?
2: Yeah, because uh, I enjoyed it. – we've made references before. It was almost like I wasn't around for Psycho when it first came out, Mm -hmm. like the Alfred Alfred Hitchcock movie. But if you remember, if you ever seen any documentaries for it, there was like big old posters with his face on it. He was going like this with a finger up to his mouth saying, anybody who shows to the screening up late will not be admitted. Don't talk about the film when you're leaving. Don't talk about it to your friends, your neighbors, your husbands, your wives. Don't talk to it about anybody.
0: Hitchcock pre- preceded Fight Club, <laughs>
2: right? <laughs> yeah, basically. And, and so I think that same level of respect was was met with this movie. Even now, I don't see a lot of spoilers for the film, right? It, it it's it. There was a general like very uh, how do I say it? respect for mm-hmm. people who haven't seen it, and I I enjoyed that. So I'm going to go watch this one, and I think I hope the same rules apply, even though this is going to be an old story in a sense because it's told before A New Hope. So there's not much. But after, because, but
0: after Sith.
2: So, yeah. So we kind of, no, I mean, yeah. if, if we look at it, we kind of know what, I mean, we definitely know what happens because. Of, well, we
1: know what happens, but we don't know how it happens. And that's how the whole it gets point there. It. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and I got
1: to say that the woman they got to play Mon Mothman looks just like yes. her, man.
2: I, I've only seen <laughs> just like her. And I hope she has a bigger role in this because I enjoyed her in, in the, in the original films. And, and she seems she's kind of prevalent in the in the trailer. So hopefully, she has a bigger role because she seemed to be an important yeah character. I, I, I'm sh- I'm sure she does. I don't mean to cut you off. No, I'm no, sure no, she does
0: very very clearly. When Rogue One comes out, Steve has to come back just so the two of you can just do the whole show and and <laughs> and analyze Rogue One piece by piece.
1: You see, can you imagine this movie came off of one line of hers? Yeah, many Bothans died. That's
2: <laughs> you know it. that that that's it. That's it. That was it.
0: That's
1: it.
2: And, but the one oh, that we cool. normally look at first, and I did it backwards just because we're getting closer to Rogue One, oh, yeah. is Star Wars Episode Eight. This one is 444 days, 12 hours and 53 minutes to go. So that one I'm not lining up until probably we hit the 400 mark. <laughs> <laughs> just a little too early. But the Rogue One, we have to give it its, its respect because it is here. I can't mm-hmm. wait to buy my Gillette deodorant and my Nissan car
0: that that's just it yes we're very excited about all the product placement and and forward. your cereal don't forget your general yes. mills cereal my
2: cereal with a hopefully uh some character unmasks themselves in charger Jar binks. <laughs> I, mean, I need charger Jar Binks back <laughs> <laughs> natural chot tra- yeah Misa. okay look, he
0: he also does he also he does, does, does voices great. Yeah.
1: i have a story i have a story about that Tell so us. so Tell us. Uh, a lot of commercial auditions right when you walk in um because most commercials, you don't hear people speaking. They want an idea of your personality, so they go in and they'll, they'll uh, at least in Toronto for a long time, the thing was, uh, give me a stupid human trick. So it's just something stupid that you could do that kind of separates you from everybody else. You know, some people they're double jointed, or or they can make this funny sound or whatever. My thing is, I can make my tongue like a clover, like.
0: Oh God! Oh,
2: wait, wait! <laughs> do it to the camera. There it is. Oh
0: my God! That's so,
1: awesome. <laughs> so that was always my thing, but me being the artist, I go in and I, I, you know, I did well with commercials in, when I was living in Toronto. So, you know, I would do it and do it and get hired and do it and get hired, and then I was like, you know what? I'm an artist. I got to do something different. This is right after uh, episode one came out. <laughs> so I go in this audition. They like, go, okay, can you do a stupid human trick? And I go, yeah, I can do Jar Jar Binks. And I go, <laughs> Misa Jar Jar Binks, Misa Walkie. And they like, silence. They just stared at me. And there was a split second. And then I go,
2: And then they all got up. In a...
1: No, no. <laughs> I wish. They stared at me. And then I go, but I also do this thing with my tongue, and then I do thing with my tongue, and they go, they go, oh, great. So they were not impressed with Jar
2: Jar, and that was the first and last time I did Jar Jar But Pinks. did you go, Misa can do this with my tongue? <laughs> no, oh, I,
1: I gave up after I saw their face when I started. I was like,
2: okay, can yeah, you I got to fail. On air, can you give us a drop saying you're listening to Behind the Lens as Jar Jar Oh, Pink, please. man. I, okay, wait. Misa Jar Jar Pinks, You
1: are listening to Behind the Lens. <laughs>
2: awesome okay i marked it that's i'm playing that every single day until episode eight comes out all right but listen i didn't get to practice that so i don't know how spot on that was i don't care it sounded great he doesn't it sounded it was was beautiful thank you it was almost as great as when you walked in with the coffee
1: (laughs) so now i'm your favorite guest i hope
2: uh, i can't say that on air but yes okay (laughs) all right
0: you know I, i think alan tudyk was one of his favorites as a call in,
2: yeah, Alan Tudyk did a print, uh Was it uh, King Candy for me?
0: Yes. Oh, cool.
2: Uh, yeah, but no, I like everybody that's come in. There's never been one person that that I did not like, and you're you're definitely in in the group of people that I like. I
0: Thank would you. say you're you're in Brian's top three, if not top one. Well, I mean, the well, donuts, I'm, I'm
1: my donuts, and coffee one. alone should that should be some points there, and yeah. then jar jar bang, so but, that should be points. But
0: you know. As an actor, Steve has a very eclectic background, and something that, in addition to Jar Jar Banks, he was in The Lion King.
1: I was wait. Well, who did you
2: who did you play? In the Lion King? Uh,
1: well, to clarify, it was the Broadway musical.
2: Awesome. Yes,
0: Broadway. I
2: never got to see that, but I I've seen the DVD when they released it on DVD. I had it. I, I love that production.
1: Well, I have. Uh, you know, they have monitors backstage, so you know you can know where you are. So there's there's no camera angles or anything. It's just one big wide shot. But I, I, well, I'm not supposed to have a copy of them, but, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's been long enough now that I think I can admit I think it, you're and, safe. I, and I'm safe. But you know, I'll, I'll bring it for you. You can take a look at it and All see right. me, see me in it.
2: Next time, I'll bring the coffee and donuts.
1: All right, done. Oh my! Bring, but but I, DC. I played. I was Simba.
2: So yeah, you didn't just play uh, like you know animal number three. You were actually like. <laughs> You were the Lion King.
1: I did. I originated in Toronto. I went to Broadway for a little while. I did it out here for the last part of the run, um, and uh, yeah, man. I mean, like, psh, there is no experience that is gonna is gonna match that. There's there's none. I first off, I swing in on a vine and finish a Matata. Like like, what entrance can you? There's no entrance that beat. I swing in on a vine center stage with a spotlight, and then and then. You know my song. I, I, all the songs in there are beautiful, but I, I I thought my song really was the best song. It was it was to me. I can't the most wait to touching. be king. No no no. Uh, Endless night. That one. No, uh, yeah, it's 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 in the musical. It's not in the movie. It, right. I, I lie. That's that's not exactly true. It is, it is in the movie in the scene where Simba is looking at uh, the apparition of his father. Mm-hmm. But it's just in the music in the background. Right. And then Julie Taymor wrote words to that, and then it became a song for the for the musical. So
0: yeah, see. You know, we have Broadway stars here. You know, Carol Cook is still one of is one of your Speaking of Broadway, Carol is one of your favorites.
2: Uh, everybody's my favorite. Uh, she was flirty, which I mean, if you want to kick up your flirtiness. <laughs> What's we'll a lovely back. shirt, Brian? Thank you. He doesn't
0: have to glasses, do anything he, he he brought he brought you coffee and donuts. Why
2: are you wooing me? I have nothing to do
1: with this program. <laughs> Uh, it's it's just I want the title I want the title
2: of favorite guest so I'll do what it takes. No, you you I mean somebody else is writing a song for me. I mean, why oh, am God. I so loved on this program? What did I do? Because <laughs> we have another person that's writing a song for me, and you bring in the, not well the coffee donuts wasn't for me, but you're you're, you're doing. <laughs>
0: he knew you were here. Oh. Do you see
2: how many coffee I brought the right amount of coffee? You did actually. You Everything's divisible by three. That was very very kind of you because sometimes people forget the engineer. No, and I'll never I never forget the engineer. No, and you know working with the uh, with Broadway, you probably understood how big of a production it's not just the actors, yeah, because I've worked on play productions, not as big as Lion King, but if if one person's missing, then the entire production follows
1: Well, I tell you what you know that's the thing, even especially with movies, movies to me more so movies and t v if you've ever worked on a movie set like you know, the actors, when you watch something, that's what you see. But the mm-hmm. amount of stuff that goes on behind yep. it to, to make that happen, it's ridiculous, you know?
0: Well, and that's why you know, that's why I am such a staunch advocate of people. Keep your butts in the seat and some watch the credits. Yeah. Pay respect to the people that have put this on the screen before you. Right. Big, small.
1: On the screen, the actors can't do it by themselves. Right. There's, there's a, an entire team. 10 times, like 10 for every actor, there's like 10 other people doing stuff and and it can't happen without them, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy.
0: And you know, and you know, you know, for me, you know, with Tubby as a father, (laughs) Hmm. I have the utmost respect for engineers, camera people. I mean, it's all about behind the lens and below the line, Yeah, you know, and I think if more, if more people... Audience members were aware of that and would show that respect. Yeah, I think it would be a much a much better relationship between movies and and the audience, especially when it comes awards time. Right. And people use understand more why they get the lauding and the praises that they do,
1: and I think you know, I think part of the reason why people don 't stay and watch the end credits is because there's no context for them, yeah. like if they see Gaffer, they don't know what he does, so what difference does it make when they watch him, and they can't you know like it's easy for someone to sit back, you know the lay person sit back, watch something, and go, "Oh, the directing was bad, but hold on, was it the directing or was it this or was it mm-hmm. that, or was this ha- you know like there's so much so
0: but I mean. You know, that's why, you know, I always rip apart and pay attention to all of those factors. And that's what we do here on the show. Because without all of those people, and that's a big problem, as you know, from a certain debacle that occurred recently. Yes. Yes. For somebody that, you know, just looks at trailers to go to the movies and insists, and I quote, I don't read when I suggested well in order to make a more informed decision you might want to check out reviews or something
1: see I I didn't know what the debate was over Uh, (laughs) so uh, I think I think I want to plead the fifth on this I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stay out but but I understand what you're saying yeah yeah Uh, I, I, I think you know yeah it I mean, that's the reason for having someone review a movie, I guess, is to, t- to basically yeah. tell you whether you should be going, wh- you know, whether they think you should be going or not. You know, like, and or, if
0: you, know. you if you don't read, you can just listen to Behind the Lens because we talk about those things. Right on. Yeah. You know, so, Brian, do we have, do we have Jason and Patrick? Well, hello, Jason and Patrick, are you there?
3: Hi, this is Jason, I'm here.
0: Hi, Jason, are you there, Patrick?
4: Yeah, I'm here. This is Patrick. Good to meet you. How Hi you
0: guys. Welcome to Behind the Lens. You're here with thanks, me. Thanks for having me. Wow, a thrill. And also here with us today is actor, writer, director, and producer and singer himself, Steve Alaric. So, so you get hey, you, you get to put up with both of us today. <laughs> 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 Tell us okay, you've got Trigger Man, which I watched. It is 17 minutes. It is a beautiful, beautiful short film that is playing in the Catalina Film Festival.
3: Thank you very much. Wow!
0: How did this... Now, I know Patrick, you're a producer. Jason, you directed. Patrick, you're also in the film. Obviously, being the producer, it was a given that you could cast yourself if you wanted to.
4: Well, that's not really how this thing came about. It was... uh... A little bit more the other way around. I was, uh, I met the writer at a function and we just got to talking and, uh, you know, we hit it off and, uh, actually we were talking, you know, we were talking smack and having fun. He said, man, I've been thinking about writing something and you're, you're it. You're like, you're like, you're like this guy that I've been thinking about writing for. And I was like, okay, cool. And to make a long story endless, um, a couple months later I didn't hear anything and he sent me this script and I read it and I thought, Man, this is awesome. Not only was I honored to have something written for me, I'm not playing the lead, I play a supporting character. Mm-hmm. Uh C. T- T- Thomas Howell plays our lead. And
0: he right? is amazing.
4: Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's Pony them. Boy. Everybody knows Ponyboy from back in the day. So um so anyway, uh when I saw the quality of the writing and um you know, something that was written for me. I said, "You know what? I'm going to help you produce it." So it was really more after, before the producer thing, and then motivated to do so in the interest of, you know, being uh, enamored by this uh, this writer's work. So that's how this whole thing uh, that's how this whole thing kind of got rolling.
0: So Jason, how did you c- come to uh, direct the project?
3: Um, I was producing a film in Austin, a feature film, and, uh, named Flutter, with the name of Flutter, and, uh, I got a call randomly from a DP I knew named Larry McKee, and he said, hey, you know, I've got, uh, I've got this film that I'm working on with this writer, Doug Williams, would you be interested in coming on board and directing and I you know I was like yeah well I'd like to read it first and and meet everybody involved so I flew to Houston had a meeting with Patrick and Doug and I was uh, on board
0: you know I'm glad you mentioned Larry McKee because the visuals in Trigger Man are stunning they are saturated there's a heightened sense of the surreal which matches perfectly with, you know, with the theme of the film and with and with the script structure in and of itself. But you also have some beautiful VFX that then plays into this. How did you and Larry go about approaching the visuals?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I have a very distinct look that I like to accomplish on my films. Like, I, for example, I don't like to shoot actors in 45 degree. I don't like profile. I like to be straight on. I like to see both eyes, especially in dramatic scenes. So Larry really helped me accomplish that. And a lot of the special effects are actually practical, mm-hmm. uh, practical shots. They look like they're special effects, like the you know the glass, the shot glass the dissolving
0: bar. into the into the table, into the bar. Yeah, yeah, that's practical. That it's was, gorgeous.
3: Uh, me, yeah, it's in I mean, hand. under practical, the bar. Yeah,
4: he actually did that. You know, covered really in paint. Did.
0: Patrick, yes, go ahead.
4: No, I'm saying we enhanced <laughs> it afterward, but he physically did it. Like, he, like tell him, Jason, they set up this thing, and I was like, what are you guys doing? He's like, we're making this
3: blast sink into the surface. <laughs> like, they physically doing yeah, it. I said, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure everybody thought I was crazy on set because <laughs> I, I didn't want to do VFX. I wanted to have this shot done practically, so I had them build a small tub and... I kind of submerged half my body in in a vat of paint and mm-hmm. had the glass go down. Instead of, you know, doing something with BFX that I don't think would have looked and felt the same, you know, I, I think it's a very sort of nuanced feeling that maybe a lot of people don't realize when they're watching a film the difference when they see something and there's just something you know, more tactile when it's real.
0: hmm You know, let me ask you because Steve had sitting here has worked with C. Thomas Howell before. So I'm curious how you got him involved in the project. And as I said, he is brilliant. It is a brilliant casting and a brilliant performance by him.
3: Well, you know, I, uh, we were really lucky. Uh, I had had a former business partner who did a movie called Sanitarium, uh, and I myself, as an actor, uh, we had known the casting director uh, Scott David, mm-hmm. and we went to Scott, and Scott gave us a bunch of names that came off the top of his head, and one was C. Thomas Howell, and you know I was when he told me that on the phone, it was funny. I was with my girlfriend, who is now my fiance. Uh, who is congratulations? Uh, a huge fan, congratulations. Thank you very much. Who's a huge fan, and she just looked at me and she was like, "That's the one." And we all <laughs> and we met real briefly and on board. It's like that's the, the most credit goes to Scott David because he yeah had, yeah, had that foresight to think of him for the role.
0: Mm-hmm. So now, how how exciting is it for you guys to be in the Catalina Film Festival with Trigger Man? <laughs>
3: Well, I, I'm, Go I'm ahead. blown away because blown the, away. the history of Catalina, the you know, the casino, basically the, just the beauty of the island and the 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 glamour of the event. I'm I can't even put into words how excited I am.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a very prestigious showcase for the film.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's
4: it, it, it's an honor, and you know the fact that they put us in the time slot at 7 p.m. on Saturday night, following the, the Saturday press line and red carpet is like even that's yet another level of of honor. So we're extremely <laughs> thankful to Catalina for hosting us, and, and I, of course excited.
0: And uh, I'm sure you're both going to be there for this event.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is it, this, when is it?
0: It's it it's this Saturday, correct? Yes,
3: yeah, yeah this this coming
0: yes, this Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. yeah, so I d-
3: actually am just getting back from a week in Catalina, so I'm I'm I love it so much. I took a week there, and now I'm going to go back.
0: Well, why not? You know, they should have your room ready for you by now. <laughs> So now you guys, you know, you both have, you both have acting experience. You've got, you know, producing experience. You know, how do you, what is it that speaks to each of you when you take, when you become involved in a project? Is it the writing? Is it the, the creators in, you know, for you, Patrick, is it the director? You know, what, what's your, what's your bar for looking at something and having an interest?
4: Um, most definitely always starts with the writing, Uh, you know, and that goes both ways. Like, you know, as, you know, this guy writing something for me, you know, was one thing. And, you know, you take that with a grain of salt, I was appreciative. But then when I finally saw it, you know, it's one of the few things that, you know, when I when I read something, I, if I'm having an experience in my mind, if I'm seeing it happen, if I'm experiencing it, like I would read a great novel, mm-hmm. or and and I can feel it coming alive, then I'm great. If I'm if I'm constantly having to go back and reread and like, well, that's not adding up, you know, it just doesn't make any sense or whatever. You know, good writing I think is just page turning. It's like okay, great page, page, just page turner, and you're you're engaged in the story on paper and if, if somebody can start with that as a foundation um, to make a film then, you know, your chances of ending up with a good finished product because it goes through so many processes down the road. I mean, you know, pre-production and then there's production and then there's the edit and then there's you know, VFX and sound and you know, um, it's so many, three the three levels of film, you know, there's the written film, the shot film, the edited film. So, if you don't have to me if i I've if, I if i'm reading or writing and it doesn't make sense or and sometimes it's just god-awful bad <laughs> <laughs> i'm like well I, you know, I don't think this is gonna work you know so it's always that you know and then i guess you know if i'm this is a different case because it came to me first which almost mm-hmm. never happened so you know um on the other end of it then yes there is there is a look at the directors and the producers to see, you know, what they have done and, uh, you know, maybe look at, I mean, if on the independent, small level, I mean, this is the tiny little short film in film. I mean, we don't have, you know, it's not a studio thing, it's not a mm-hmm. TV behind it, you know. So, when you're looking at those things and deciding, well, you want to get involved, uh, which, I, it's never about the money, not on something like this. Right. Sure, just never. So, it's all about, always about art. So, you want to look at those other artists. You want to see, you know how they convey storytelling and because to me that's what it is we're telling stories you Mm -hmm. know it's like uh it's one of the it's the oldest art form i imagine that uh you know 100 million years ago cavemen were sitting around a fire and they told themselves they told stories They use their imagination, Mm -hmm. you know. They talk, they told stories about the sun and the stars and the wildebeest or whatever, you know. So this is like a timeless aspect of being human. So I take it kind of seriously, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: and (laughs) quickly, Jason, because I know we have to go to a commercial break uh, for the next segment, but Jason, what about for you?
3: You know, like Patrick said, If it's not on the page, it's not going to be on the screen. So the writing is paramount. But with that being said, you know, there's sort of a gestalt of vision that you have when it's all these aspects. You know, if the script's not up to par, sometimes you can see a vision of something, the potentiality for something that's greater than any of the sum of its parts. You know, you look at this, and... Like with with other projects, um, you know, you look at C. Thomas Howell, you look at Patrick, Cassie Beckham, amazing actress that was on Justified and came in and did a great job for us. Um, you know, you start looking at all the parts and you start to see, oh, this is bigger. This has got a lot more potential than just what the original idea was. I mean, if you think about it, the original idea was just a, A fraction of what it became. You know, it was dug in a, in a, hanging out with some friends, saying, you know, I I got this idea. You know, it's going to kind of be this. If you would have asked him, do you think it's going to evolve into, you know, Pony Boy and and Kathy and Patrick and all these people coming together and this huge crew and you know this whole thing? I don't think he would have necessarily seen that at the beginning. So Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a. Uh, there's just a certain, not to be, you know, cliche, but there's a certain kind of magic that you can kind of feel on a project and you look at it and you go, you know what, Uh, this has got potential to be, Mm -hmm. to grow and to keep growing.
0: Well, so. well, guys, I can't thank you enough for joining us. And, you know, unfortunately, we're so packed today. I don't have more time for no, you. But Saturday, no Saturday, Catalina Film Festival, Trigger Man.
1: Is it playing anywhere else after that?
4: Uh, we don't know yet. We're still we're still waiting to be, hear back from some different festivals, and we got some things submitted. So, um, you know, but that'll be out there on social media. Our publicist, Jessica Kill, who's a rock star, will... Take care of that stuff for
0: us. Yes, too, so. well, well, you can tell the, the the rock star needs to keep me in the loop. So we'll have you back on the show with more time in the future.
4: <laughs> Certainly, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. Thanks,
0: guys. Bye, Thank bye. Bye. And that was Jason Canapesos and Patrick Sane talking. Trigger Man at Catalina Film Festival this weekend, seven o'clock on Saturday. Should we take a short break, Brian? We'll take a short break. And we'll be right back to Behind the Lens. Hi, this is
3: Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids, there's the bad kind, like season ending injuries, there's the necessary kind, like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not
2: having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org.
3: Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's diploma to 97779
2: and leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Yet Council. Hey, I'm Brian, and this is DJ Harris, and we are the hosts of the Nothing In Particular podcast show, live almost every Monday at 5 p.m., where we discuss comic books, video games, movies, box office reviews, anything in the news, you name it, it's nothing in particular. And sometimes we'll convince somebody to come in studio with us, and those people include artists, writers, directors, musicians, social workers, you name it. So that's almost every Monday at 5 p.m., Nothing In, in particular, particular podcast show. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, come no, on, I, I told man, you what No, it's, it's awesome. I'm going to find another way to end this commercial. Yeah, well, this is perfect.
1: Hey, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers for RAD. I'm here to remind you that drunk drivers are still a major killer of young adults in this country. So always choose a designated driver, and remember, music lives,
3: you should too. Getting home in the state of Mississippi, papa with a copper and a mama with a hippie. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
0: And welcome back to Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, and here with me in studio today, I am so thrilled to have the, the uber-talented actor, singer, broad, Broadway musical star. Um,
1: You're really making me sound really good, much better than I actually am. No. You, Ripped. He's...
2: <laughs>
0: It's muscles that Steve- look like he can carry me down the stairs. Steve <laughs> Alaric is here with me live. And this is just such an absolute thrill because I cherish Steve. For how many years have we known each other?
1: Probably a good 10. A
0: good 10 years yeah. at least, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I have watched him throughout his career adding commercials and more commercials. And they're national ones too. And I've been fortunate. You've been very, very fortunate. But of course, how do you top Simba? You don't <laughs> swinging in on a vine with a spotlight, and you're playing Simba on Broadway.
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you something. I will never forget my first day in New York. My first day in New York. The first thing I noticed because I did it in Toronto, I did it in New York, I did it in in L.A. And the uh, the houses, the the I mean, the theater houses they they, they they were they matched the city. So like New York's was. Packed and cramped. There was like there was like three balconies, and everybody's crammed in. But the energy is incredible because people uh-huh. are like, you know, inches away. From, well, feels like they're inches away from your face. And then, L.A. There's it's huge and spread out. Yeah. The theater itself had all this extra space. So it was kind of crazy. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, we're gonna have we're we're bringing on another another superb talent right now we have Oscar winner Emmy winner the incredible Barnett Bain hello Barnett welcome to behind the lens
5: thank you so much for inviting me Debbie it's good to be here with you and all your listeners
0: oh and also with me today is actor singer writer director himself Steve Alaric and uh, we were talking about even before the show you know some of the films that you, that you have done what producing what dreams may come homeless to Harvard still one of my favorite favorites. Celestine. Thank
5: you. Thank you so much. Great to, good, good to be with you, Steve. Hey, nice to meet you uh, over, the, over the
1: air. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we're, we're here today to talk about your latest film, which I'm in love with. It is such a quiet film, but it is such a positive film. It is such an inspirational and hopeful film, Milton's Secret, based on Eckhart Tolle and, and Robert Friedman's book. Just beautiful job, Barnett. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank
5: you. Thank you.
0: What led you to this book and then adapting it, not, not only adapting the screenplay, but then also stepping into the director's chair for this one?
5: Well, the subject mattered to me. I, well, I was shown the book in galleys by the publisher a number of years ago. And um, I thought it was originally a work of juvenile literature, and I thought, well, there's a, there are themes here that matter to me, and I can see how to turn this into a movie for adults that deal with the uncertainties of family life.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, mostly, uh, I was taken by the bullying theme. It's a big deal for me. There's the obvious violence of bullying, physical and emotional,
6: mm-hmm. that's
5: there. But but even more subtle in all of our lives is the violence that we do to ourselves as a result of our internal self-talk. Things like, well, you're not good enough or smart enough or thin enough or fat enough or rich enough or you're too tall or thin or black or white. You know, you get the point? Mm-hmm. So this thing is there's this... This whole inner thought stream, and it's a product from outside ourselves. These are messages that we receive from our, our culture, our entertainment, our advertising, our media, um, our families, our schools. It's a hand-me-down worldview, and the physical bullying always starts. From there, whether you're a child on a playground or a banker on Wall Street, it always starts as an inside job. I uh, thought so that's an important understanding, and it's worth building a movie around.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, and all of those themes uh, come through. The, it's crystalline. Mm. It is, is so beautifully executed. But your visuals also carry through those same thematic notes how did you and i see you know three very distinct looks in terms of the lighting and the lensing that you and your cinematographer Ray Dumas put together specifically within the family home within the garden and any time Donald Sutherland is on screen and then of course young Milton's bedroom and his his fort where he conducts his alchemy experiments what were your considerations were you visualizing this while you were writing or was this something that you and Ray sat down and, and constructed after the fact in pre-production?
5: Well, first of all, it's such a gift to speak to somebody that is attuned to these things. So I'm grateful to you for that. And um, you know, I, in the writing of it, I don't I don't um, concern myself much with the specifics of it. I am aware that down the road we're going to be dealing with this, but I'm not aware of it in the writing. This deal really happened working with Ray Dumas, uh, sitting for a couple of weeks on his boat and um, going through a lot, a lot of movies that um, I love, that he loves, that we felt were good references to begin a conversation and then um, talking a great deal about the possibilities. And just as an aside, Ray has... Invented a piece of gear, um, which was the secret sauce in a little movie called The Revenant. Uh, and it's a, it's kind of a, it's called a slingshot, and it's a piece of gear that, uh, suspends the camera on a shoulder rig so that you have, uh, complete mobility, but it is not as dreamy as a steady cam, and it's not as, uh, radicapan health. And we shot our entire movie with two uh, uh, with two cameras on slingshots, and oh It was that very very alive um, look um, that we haven't really seen in the film in movies before, except in the bear sequence in um, the Revenant. We mm-hmm. shot the whole movie on it,
6: hmm.
5: and it's a very very unique style. And it also allowed us to move very very quickly. Um, I didn't have a schedule that could uh, afford me the time to lay track and put up a bunch of lights. So there's minimum, minimum lighting and, and, um, all of it and held on the slingshot.
0: Wow. I, that I'm amazed. I know, I know I talked to Chivo, um, during the award season and before, about the Revenant, and he raved about using the slingshot for that very purpose in order to get those intense close-ups and uh, with the bear with the bear sequence. So, oh. yeah,
5: yeah, the slingshot is quite a tool. I mean, it's staggering. Um, I, I have another film coming up, and I'm so tempted to use them again. <laughs> um, we'll see. Similarly, you know, talk to Ray about it
0: hand in hand with that your lighting especially in Donald Sutherland scenes so important out in the garden where he's building the gazebo and and also the lighting when we get in with Milton and his two distinct areas in which you know he creates great similarity between the grandfather and the grandson in the lighting selection that yeah. you guys have designed
5: yeah yeah well it was important uh to suggest, you know, the beautiful thing about uh, filmmaking is you have this incredible palette with an amazing range of tools, and uh, when the grandfather is on screen, the grandfather's world view is entirely, entirely different. He meets his challenges of life in an entirely different way than anybody else in the film. And so his experience of the world is very different, and it's important, it was important for us to... Um, indicate that in, in a subtle way. People that have eyes to see it, as you do, will see it. But he does not... Um, he, oh, this is a man whose heart is so open and he's so fully in the moment. He's not importing disappointments from the past into the present. He's just completely moving moment to moment. And so he, his world is filled with beauty. And we wanted to be sure that the screen was filled with beauty when he was in it.
0: Well, and it most definitely is. And similarly with the character of Milton, wonderfully played by William, William Ainscoff, just an absolute, he is a, he is a young man to watch on screen. But there you use a lot of twinkle, the little Christmas tree lights that, you know, like the glimmering flame of what's to come for him. And it just, it magical, absolutely magical, you know. What was the casting? You've got Donald Sutherland. You've got, you have William, you've got David Sutcliffe, Michelle Rodriguez, Mia Kirshner. A fabulous cast.
5: Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, um, no, there's, by no order of blessings, I'll, I'll start off with, uh, Donald. We sent Donald the script. And, um, It took two days, and I got a a letter from him, a letter, not even an email. And he said he'd read it, and he'd been looking for something like this for uh, several years. And uh, he went to sleep, and when he woke up the next morning, he found uh, Stuart Howard, who is the character he plays. He Mm -hmm. found Stuart Howard's slippers already under his bed. That's cool. And so he was uh, in. He... Was totally committed. Um, and then I, um, I didn't even have to go out to Michelle Rodriguez. I got a, an email from Michelle Rodriguez, and she had um, found her way to the script, and uh, she wanted to know whether she could play it. And I thought she would be absolutely wonderful because it is so against type.
0: Very much so. That,
5: that she would bring something very, very fresh to it. Um, Mia we cast I I read a lot a lot of amazing women for that role and there's something about Mia that is so um, thrilling I find her thrilling to watch Mm -hmm. Mia is like somebody who throws herself out of a plane with a parachute kit (laughs) and and, um, puts it together hopefully on the way down so I am just it's uh, so exciting to watch. I never really know exactly what is going to come from her, so that is um, both hair-raising um, and thrilling. So I was, I was really excited uh, to work with Mia, and um, I can't wait to work with her again. She's wonderful. The boy.
0: I mean, uh, I William is better.
5: William's uh, astonishing. So I, I spent five months. I looked at um, hundreds, hundreds of boys on tape, and um, and sat in a room with um, probably forty or fifty. Mm-hmm. And William is uh, something else. Just really something else. Uh, Can I ask I you something? Asked him in. Uh, in his audition, I asked him about uh, a grandfather that he and he had recently lost his grandfather, and he just completely came unglued. I've never seen anything like it. Actually, the only place I've ever seen anything like it is if you Google Henry Thomas's audition for E. T. Was it Henry Thomas? No, yes, who played Elliot? Uh I think, I
0: think, yeah, that I was Henry Thomas, right. yeah. yeah.
5: It was Henry Thomas. If you Google Henry Thomas's audition for E. T. Uh it's on it's on that's YouTube, you will see exactly what happened with me and William Ansgough. Exactly <laughs> the same thing. I thought, Oh my God, lightning does strike twice. Wow. That's how I found William Enscoffe. Then um he's so in- doomed and so um He's such an intelligent actor and so in tune with his emotions that uh, I, it's very unusual, but the trick with him was to pull him back from his emotionality. Usually um, actors, particularly children, are so yeah. split off from feeling their emotions, but his, they're, they're so alive in him. He's an extraordinary actor.
1: I, I was going to ask you about uh, the difference between auditioning in person and in tape. You said you saw you saw a bunch of tapes and you met people in person. Uh, is there a difference for you? Like, is there one that you prefer over the other, and why?
5: Well, I like to see. You know what I like. What I like about uh, tape, obviously, is it, it simplifies my life and it sort <laughs> of. Um, it's great as a first pass. I see. Whether it's a benefit of how it's being lit and where the shot is, I know, you know, almost never is the camera lined up in a way that I can see what's going on in the eyes and what's happening in the face. But it, it is a good way. It's it's convenient. And, you know, we live in, we live in times where we're all just over, overwhelmed. And I don't know any other way that I could have gotten through the numbers of, of, of actors. lots and lots of them were wonderful and you know not and many, many, many of them are were not right for the role and rather than have them in a room and being myself in a room, I'd rather just see the selection passing and then go through them myself and then reno down those that I want to sit with. And doubtless in that kind of a process you miss some um some gems, you miss some treasures. And um It's unfortunate. It's just the scale of this kind of filmmaking and the speed of this kind of filmmaking that
0: that's what we contend with. You know, Barnett, you do so much in terms of creativity workshops. You are part of the Take Daughters and Sons to Work Foundation. Everything that you do is about hope and possibility. Um, where, Where does that drive and passion come from?
5: Well, it matters. I mean, it just it, it, matters to me, I'll tell you why. Um, when we become complacent about these things, some really tragic things happen. The first, our personal imagination begins to collapse. We start to rely more on conventional wisdom and pundits, and instead of an interior imaginative life, we start to think in a kind of groupthink. And you know, now in a political season, we see that more more than ever, dogma starts to substitute for authentic dialogue. Everything is framed in blacks and whites. There's no room for nuance. Uh, We start to lose hope and vision. Uh, Vision creates the boundaries of what's possible, and hopes and bridges that can take us there. And they're indispensable. And when we don't pay attention to them. Uh, we we lose them and, uh, along with it. We lose a sense of compassion and empathy, and um, this kind of lack of of the lack of compassion is at the root of so many great problems in the world. And so I think that um, without um, supporting stories, you know, my, how I feel about it is without me participating in my own way, um, I would be left clinging to uh, positions that don't leave any room for innovation and discovery. So it matters to me personally, and I want to have that sort of impact on people who I love and I care about, and by extension, it's not as visceral, but by extension, on my community and my country and my world, so it matters.
0: Well, and definitely on watching Milton's Secret, all of your philosophies, this is custom-made, tailor-made, match in heaven. I mean, by film's end, it's very obvious that the real alchemy in life is the blend of all the good stuff that you put into the beaker of yourself. And it it just a beautiful, beautiful film, Milton uh, Barnett. And it's opening Friday, I believe.
5: It opens Friday next Friday. Yeah.
0: Oh, this Friday. This Friday. Yes. The th- it's yes. We're- <laughs> it's already the end of September, Barnett. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Well, I
5: just I walked out of the room and I came back and it was a year later. Also,
0: can you believe it? So, <laughs> do you is it start? Is it going nationwide? Or are we starting small with a platform?
5: It's platforming. It's in ten cities, and um, uh, but it's all day and day. It's um, uh, on video on demand and uh, and online. It's all. Uh, all available however anyone wants to access it or consume it. It's there on September 30th, Amazon and well, on an iTunes and all the usual suspects.
0: Well, I can't recommend it highly enough, and I have to say that I watched it last night after a very, very, very traumatic day yesterday, and I immediately felt better after watching the film. Well, it's
5: beautiful. I'm very... Gratified to hear that. Really, thank you so much. So uh, may that be a may that be a heart for your things to come.
0: Oh, I hope so, Barnett. Thank you so much.
5: I appreciate it so much, Steve. Until we meet again, take care. Thank
0: Thanks. Bye bye.
5: Thank you. Bye.
0: And that was Barnett Bain.
1: Look, when you hear somebody speak about their film like that. How can you not like? How can you not want to go see it? You know what I mean. Like, clearly, both you know, both sets of guests that you had today, you can see how much thought goes into every single bit of their film. Mm-hmm. No one's just setting up a camera and just ah, just put it there. No, no one's doing that. Mm-hmm. Nobody. I- every frame is being thought about intensely, and that's you don't get. Better filmmaking than that,
0: man. And you know that's something that I found with indie film. With so many indie filmmakers, they do put that care. Now Barnett, he's done the bigger films, what dreams may come, which of course every frame of that film is just gorgeous, right? You know, but many who aren't just picking up a phone, thinking, "Oh, because oh, this will shoot a film, I'm going to shoot a movie." No, the ones that actually plan it out, think about it. And it starts with the script that they are passionate about. It has themes that matter to them. They're not coming in for the paycheck. Yep. And I think that's the real key to a film that is resonant to people.
1: I agree. And you know what, Deb? I have to give you credit for because shows like this show give voice to those things that may not necessarily get get their voice heard their or voice out there. You know, we're, we're drowned out by the big films. There's nothing wrong with the big films. You know what I mean? With a big blockbuster. Well, maybe we can disagree. <laughs> I don't no, know. But, I, but, you
0: know, I love big, but blo- I love the 10 pole films, right? But the purpose of the 10 pole films is essentially just pure entertainment. Nine times out of 10, right? You want escapism, right? You know, these smaller indie films are much more thoughtful. Yep. And they say something very important that speaks to hearts and minds. Yeah. 100% and, agree. Yeah. It just – and then that's one of the reasons, as you know, what helped me to decide to even do this show. Yeah. Was to give a voice and to showcase, you know, people like Barnett Bain, films like Milton's Secret, little shorts like Trigger Man. Right. Or even stuff that you write. <laughs> Which, which. By the way, I do have a lot of notes on somebody's script. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, I'm anxious to hear it.
0: You know. No, they're written all over it. And I would have printed it out, except a little white a little white cat had been playing, <laughs> uh, climbing behind the printer last week, oh, no. and pulled the plug out. So I couldn't figure out why nothing was printing. And then I went and I looked, and I just couldn't move the furniture out to rehook everything. But even this morning, it's like okay. She's still here. (laughs) (laughs) But now, you know, so many different roles here and, you know, fellow Canadian of Donald Sutherland. Right. (laughs) You know, he's had a career that lasts forever. You have a much more diverse career.
1: Yeah. You know, um, for people who who are only listening, I'm very mixed race. Um, which in terms of North America and especially in the film industry is new. Like when I first moved here, I was lucky to get certain thing i mean it's no you know it's i suppose it's no coincidence that some, you know something as like star trek that had always been kind of forward thinking right. in terms of race and stuff that like that was that. your
0: first role that, that
1: was my first role in la uh you know the lion king they they specifically wanted someone that kind of looked like me but that doesn't happen very often and my first while here was pretty tough in mm. terms of theatrical uh the the the, everything is starting to come around. I, I still say it's, you know, it's still a struggle, you know, um, to be seen and to be, uh, to, to get rules, but. Um, but it's coming around. Mm. But I think that's why it's it's diverse because, well, not only because of that, because I'm so mixed race, I pass for different things. Yeah. So, you know, uh, on any given day, if, you know, if the wind's blowing right, <laughs> I can look this way <laughs> or I can look that way. Right.
0: So. <laughs> but, you know, but now on that diversity issue, yeah. let me get you to weigh in on this because the jury is out and it's very polarizing. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, me, and my philosophy is that you hire the best person for the job. Right. Whereas others are like, no, we need to set these percentages and parameters.
1: Well, you know, here's here's the trouble, in my opinion, is that um, how do you change a system that's already unfair?
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, unf- uh, unfair in, in ter- Okay, let me let me re- you know let me let me say it differently. Uh, Misrepresentative. It's, it's misrepresenting uh what the world really looks like H- how do you fix that yes. other than going all right look you got to hire this many people it- it's true uh, i do think there is a certain unfairness but uh, things have already been unfair so right. you kind of got to shift it in order to kind of make everything right
0: but should you sacrifice quality
1: well that's assuming that you sacrifice quality well you know, that's
0: um, that's right. yeah that's the uh, other that's the other prong
1: and and and, and You know, supposing you do have a quote unquote lesser actor in a role, but you're adding a point of view to it that Mm -hmm. may be worth the, you know, the loss. Well, yeah, and that goes into the grand
0: scheme then, because there is a purpose there. It's not just to meet a quota. Right. Yeah, I have right. no problem with that. Well, I mean, and you hear a lot. Of,
1: you hear a lot of writers talk, like uh, like TV writers and and showrunners, and they're really starting to pull in different voices. You yeah. know, these, these writers that may not have you know uh, an extensive resume, but they you know or we have this gay person in the room that can add a voice that we don't normally hear and we mm-hmm. have this indian person in the room that you know th- their resume is not mm-hmm. huge but their voice is adding something new that we haven't really a perspective we don't yeah. normally see so you know the writers rooms in tv uh, are are getting there you know
0: well you've been adding a lot of per- a lot of diversity and perspective lately you you're working you're doing so many roles jane the virgin fear of the walking dead stuff you can't talk about
1: <laughs> well yeah cu- a couple of things i i you know uh they're they're kind of you know uh secretive uh- Because of the nature of the show. One's on USA. I'll say that. One's on on, uh, the network USA, but I signed an NDA, so I can't really talk about it. And the other one is this awesome animated feature.
0: I wanted to ask it because, yeah, you actually did motion capture for that.
1: Yeah, it was facial motion capture. So I'm not sure how the rest of it's going to go in Mm -hmm. terms of – but – You know, that one actually was real simple because, you know, they put the stuff on you and then you kind of just forget about it. You know, you just you just do you move your mouth and your face the way that you normally would Mm -hmm. and and just allow the, you know, the computer to catch it.
0: Now, did they do the kabuki motion capture all over the whole face or just the spot spot uh, motion capture? No,
1: not spot. Um, I'm I'm not sure exactly what you mean. There was there was a camera right that caught all of my face and that translates so there weren't any okay on my face yeah.
0: yeah wow but
1: it was it, you know that's an interesting film so when when i can tell you more about it i will
0: oh good you have to and and of course brian is giving us what our one minute our one minute mark here we only have a minute i went by fast you have to talk about doo you <laughs> sa- you, sa- you sang at the doo Hall of Fame induction sa- ceremony. I did. That
1: was, uh, that was fantastic. I got to give a shout out to John Wilson, who is one of the uh, founding members of Sly, Slick, and Wicked, a very uh, popular R&B group in the past. Uh um, you know thank thank you john for for that and uh, Sidney Chandler, a fantastic writer and good friend uh, both of those people uh hooked me up with that job and it was it was it was a dream man i you know to get up and sing in front of legends was uh and you 've
0: got the voice for it
1: well, thank you, deb.
0: I just think you need to change your repertoire once
1: more <laughs> certain- you are you are my top critic, and I love you for that.
0: <laughs> you know, if you suck, I'm going to tell you. Yes, I Just do. like everybody, that is, that is my, If you suck, I'm going to tell you. If you're fabulous, I'm going to tell you. You tell it like it is. I try. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, that is all the time we have today. Next week, we're going to have Lisa Ann Walter and Joe Burke in studio, and cool. a, and fingers crossed for a surprise guest calling in that uh, we're, we're I'm working on right now, but. I have to thank Barnett Bain. I have to thank Patrick Sane, Jason Kanapisos. Go see Trigger Man at Catalina Film Festival. Milton Secret is in theaters this Friday. And, of course, my good friend Stephen Alaric, who is keeping stuff in the dark
6: <laughs> thank for you.
0: now. But he will be back. And Brian's buying back. the coffee and donuts next time. <laughs> and he's nodding.
1: It's a whole show on Star Wars next time.
0: Okay, uh, and he perks up. Oh my God. All right, until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.